Well, good afternoon, everyone. The H1B Guy here, and today, the H1B Guy Live with my good friend Mark Pavlopoulos from Syndesis and Path to Canada. Um, it's been almost a year, actually over a year, since we've had Mark on, so looking forward to catching up with what's been going on with Syndesis and Path to Canada and talking about your options if you're here in the U.S., um, facing either an H-1B denial, a failed H-1B lottery attempt, or even an OPT expiration, we're going to cover how you can relocate to Canada. But before we get started, I'd like to ask you, if you haven't already, to please subscribe to the H-1B Guy channel here on YouTube and like this video so that I can continue to produce more content like this for you. I also wanted to mention the H-1B Guy offers a variety of consulting services. I help businesses and individuals solve complex work authorization issues in the recruitment process while bringing awareness to employment-based immigration benefits. If I can help you, please reach out. I'd love to hear how. And you can book an appointment directly with me via the h1bguy.com. Today's live stream is brought to you exclusively by Syndesis and Path to Canada, the ideal plan B for high-schooled immigrants currently located in the U.S. whose status may be uncertain. If you're facing an H-1B denial or OPT expiration, don't get caught off guard. Make sure you have a plan B and Syndesis and Path to Canada are your answers. They'll gladly help you navigate the process. And if you'd like to find out more and see if you qualify, please be sure to use the link in the video description below and someone from Synthesis or Path to Canada will be in touch. Well, Mark, it's great to have you back on. Um, I went back through and, and looked. This is now the fourth time you've been on the channel, which is pretty cool. awesome. Um, really cool. I can't believe it's been a year, though. It's hard to believe, but... Um, I will, in the video description below, there's a, a link to when you were first on back in April 1st of 2021. That's, that's just hard to believe saying that wow. out loud. Um, you were on again in December. It was December 8th of 2021. And, and then last year, April uh, 8th, 2022. So a lot of moving parts, a lot of things going on in, in really the world with, um, you know, these mass layoffs and impacts and talent acquisition and staffing, but oh, demand yeah. on talent still remains extremely high. Um, immigration here in the U.S. still remains extremely complicated and very difficult for high skilled immigrants who may already be here in the U.S. Um, or those who are looking to come to the U.S. And so wanted to, to, to sync up with you today and, um, you know, talk about what's new with, with Syndesis and Path to Canada. So what's been going right. on over the last year or so, Mark? Yeah, I would, I would say if you look back over the last year or so, Syndesis uh, still, three services have remained. We, we are an employer of record, a PEO. We're still employing Canadians in Canada, work remotely for U.S. companies. The second service we'll talk today, taking people with OPT expirations or uh, H-1B denials, people who can't stay in the U.S., we're still moving them to Canada, no change there. And our, and our Path to Canada service, if you ask what's different, I would say that service basically is taking uh, an immigrant tech worker anywhere in the world, in the U.S. on an H-1B, in the U.S. on an OPT, outside of the U.S., never could get in the U.S. That marketplace is still connecting immigrant tech workers who move, seek to move to Canada with Canadian companies who will hire them. I think if you say what, what's different now, you you alluded to it a few seconds ago when you said uh, there's you know recession and tech layoffs. I think our, our uh, 
path to Canada business has become a bit more challenging. There's plenty of people who want to move to Canada. There's always mm -hmm. great talent who's seeking to move. It's the companies right now are a little reluctant to hire. So mm -hmm. what they're doing basically is they're saying, hey, look, let's let the dust settle there. You know, there's still a, there's people out there who are looking for jobs who've lost them, who are, we're going to, we're going to go after that talent pool first. And then if we can't fill, we'll come back to Syndesis and talk about their path to Canada service. So I, I would say mm -hmm. that's a, a reality check of the times right now. It's, it is, that service is a little more difficult just because of where clients are. You and me both know the tech mm -hmm. talent shortage did not go away. It's never going to go away. It may be temporarily, mm -hmm. uh, Things may be temporarily confused, but that's not the. It's going to go back to where it is in the next six to nine to twelve months, mm -hmm. and we we'll back to shortages, and we we'll be back to moving people to Canada to work in, in recruiting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting you say that because um, our mutual acquaintance uh, Sophie Alcorn was on with me back in February, and we talked about really when this started, which was May of last year, was kind of the initial beginning waves of of. The cuts right and reduced expenditures and one way that you know large enterprises and small enterprises alike look to um recruit some some cost savings is in staff reductions and those staff reductions generally around three percent a lot of it doesn't impact it but some of it does uh technology compensations tend to be in the higher end of most of the um, the organizations and enterprises that i do business with specifically on on the staffing side and so that trend is has been going on now for the better part of of about 12 months but I think you know and I know one of the, the things that's happened since really the last time you were on was into July, August, um, when that second H-1B lottery didn't happen for last year, then there was this huge influx of folks saying, okay, can I relocate my job through my employer or do I need to go kind of that path to Canada route, which is, you know, potentially utilizing a service like Path to Canada to, to identify somebody who may be hiring um, their particular skill set in, in Canada. And we've seen some of this, what I call not necessarily lack of hiring, but it's more delayed hiring. The need is there, but they know that now candidates are a little bit more available. The talent pool has grown a little bit because there are more people looking for work. Um, and, and that's created this kind of perfect storm outside of not only uh, relocating jobs from the U.S. to Canada, but also still this very high demand and interest that's been going on here within the U.S., specifically directed towards the H-1B lottery. Um, wanted to take just a couple minutes and remind everyone um, about Syndesis and your target demographics. Um, I think it's really important here that we have some clarity around this is where you're seeing most of the demand for your services. And a lot of times it, it, it comes from two aspects, which is uh, it's individual driven, or if you're an employer out there and you have a resource that failed H-1B lottery attempt, possible, possible OPT expiration coming up, um, what are your target demographics? Who's your ideal client from an individual, from an employer perspective right now? Yeah, let, good question. Let me, let me map that out clearly. So it's always both. So the, the service we have to take a, and you can call it OPT expiration, third try on the, on the H-1B lottery lost, the person who cannot stay in the U.S., who knows a date's coming up when they have to leave, that is the ideal, and the, and the person's a tech worker. 
So you'll probably think like Mark Tech Worker, that's pretty vague. So to qualify for the Canadian Work Visa Global Talent Stream, it is targeted at broadly at people who are tech workers. What that means basically is, do you code? You're going to qualify. You're going to qualify. Mm-hmm. You manage, do you manage an engineering team? Do you manage a software development team? You qualify. Mm-hmm. Then it's then what it's also open to is data scientists, machine learning engineers, product managers, people who don't necessarily code, but they have a technical degree and they're working on, on, on tech projects. There's a long list of dozens and dozens of, of titles. If you're anywhere in that realm, you're going to qualify. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't, uh, Robert, unfortunately, is consultants with MBAs who aren't doing technical work. Mm-hmm. lawyers, finance people, they're not going to fit in. It is mostly targeted at, at as people on the, with technical degrees or you're doing technical work. And that's where our focus is. So that's, that's mm-hmm. on the individual. And I shouldn't, I shouldn't narrow it to say, oh, your, ex- your OPT expired. You qualify, you know, this is going to work for you. Mm-hmm. Goal of the Canadian work visa is to bring in hundreds of thousands of tech workers to live and, and, and build, you know, spend their lives in Canada. Mm-hmm. What I've also found is, it's also someone, people come to us saying, Mark, I, I've got an H-1B. Mm-hmm. But as you mentioned earlier, my green card wait could be decades. Mm-hmm. I, my employer is okay with me working remotely from Canada because they sympathize with my situation. We've seen mm-hmm. that. So I would say those would be the, on the people side, that's who qualifies. For the company, it's any company. Like what we find is some of our, some of our clients are startups or scale-up mm-hmm. companies, they're VC-backed. One of them was uh, is a manufacturer of kitchen equipment. They had a small technical team. One of their, one of their people on their team, you know, third, third time in the lottery didn't make it. They had found mm-hmm. us that tech worker qualifies. So yeah, we need both bought in. We need the company because the worker, we have a policy. We never charge the worker for the company. They will pay for the, the cost of doing this. They will pay for the employment cost for the worker long-term in Canada. We will handle the long-term mm-hmm. employment but we need them signed up too. So it's both part mm-hmm. of, are, are part of this scenario. And if I'm an individual and I'm interested, of course, I've mentioned like, you know, there's a, a link in the description and on the h1bguy.com, there's there's links to your services. But if I reach out to, to Syndesis, at, at what point does my employer get involved once once the conversation is, has been initiated by me, the individual? The employer would get involved, and it's always the call, the the choice of the individual. One thing I've noticed over the years is, um, and you've probably seen this too, companies don't have perfect information. They may look to the U.S. employee, their U.S. immigration lawyer, and the U.S. immigration lawyer is saying, "I'm sorry, it's their try. There's nothing else I can do." And for a lot of HR execs, talent execs, um, engineering managers, they're like, "I guess that's all we can do." It's mm-hmm. the worker. It's the person whose life is about to go change, unfortunately, in the wrong direction. You have to leave the U.S. They're the one like, let me see what else is possible. Mm-hmm. So what we found is they're the ones Googling. They'll see, they'll be on your channel. They'll see one of your videos. And they're like, wait, that move to Canada thing. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have to go check that out. And what they do is they watch like an episode like this. They, they learn from your show. They gather the facts. A lot of times my sales team will have calls. And we'll spell their situation out and we'll, and we'll share with them. But we're, we're like, you have to get your employer on the call. Mm-hmm. They're going to pay for it. They're going to sign the contract. And at that point, we, we're happy to do all the education we can, but the worker can't initiate this. They have to go back to their employer and say, 
hey, can you join a call? I did my research. There's this mm-hmm. company thesis that does this. They've been doing this mm-hmm. for dozens and dozens of people. Then they have to employ, pull their employer in. And most of the time, that point of contact within, within the employer is an HR talent acquisition, um, human resource, you know, manager, sometimes mobility leaders, things along those lines, or even as small for smaller startups could be a VP of software engineering or, you know, CTO or or CIO even. Um, So that's one of the the things that, that I think most individuals do benefit from is at least getting the guidance from Syndesis before for approaching the employer. It's one of the things about your service that um, that I really love. And a lot of the good feedback that I've gotten from folks that have come to know about you from me is, is provided that in return that you guys are really responsive, really transparent, and, and really help kind of guide them through that process. Even if it doesn't work out, um, ultimately it's, it's having that option and being able to uh, approach their employer with um, an alternative because outside of that, the other alternative is 60 days to leave the country. And a lot of folks, you know, are trying to avoid that at, at all costs. Um, earlier in the year, one of the big pieces of news that I saw was there was a, a few new categories added to, to, to the GTS program. I, I know most of what you target is within the tech space, um, but I know I think elect- electrical engineering and um Maybe I saw like mining or something like that was yes. was was part of that. Any thoughts or observations as to to adding, you know, those categories and and not maybe expanding it out to some of the more functional like tech type roles? Any any thoughts around that? You know, my take when I saw that was okay. It is still mostly technology focused. But you're right. They're at What they're doing is they're just adding more roles saying, how do we bring more skilled people into Canada? Mm-hmm. So for me, it just goes back to the mindset of Canadian integration of, you know, from pressure from the business community. They look at this and say, how do I solve a labor problem? Um, I, I bring I bring skilled immigrants in. I, br- mm-hmm. I make it easy for people who have the skills and the credentials. I make it easy for them to come to Canada and stay in Canada. So for me, I just looked at it and nodded. I'm like, that's 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 how Canadian immigration services operate. It's mm-hmm. expand this and bring more people in because the shortage, the shortage of skilled workers, it's across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, to give you an example, even I was in Halifax a few weeks ago and I was commenting on all the cranes and the buildings being built across downtown. Mm-hmm. Economic development um, team members said there is a shortage of construction workers. We're working on, we're working um, to bring more of them into Canada because Mark, you probably, they said you probably were in clue from Toronto. You saw the building going on there. I'm like, there are more cranes I heard in Toronto mm-hmm. than there are in all of the US of building towers. And the comment was, yeah, it's not enough. The, the mm-hmm. building continue commercial and residential to keep up with the massive housing shortage. So we need construction workers. And I'm like, okay, so they'll be announced. There'll probably be more programs to bring um, unskilled, uh, skilled labor, but by different Mm -hmm. ways in Canada. Yeah. Would they do that under GTS or would that be under a different program? I think with um, construction workers, I think that's probably under a different program because GTS Mm -hmm. was, I I think it was mostly focused on skilled workers around engineers, software developers, Mm -hmm. like you mentioned, mining experts, Mm -hmm. um, civil engineers, I think they would just basically, it might give the program a different name, but it's mm-hmm. all the same mindset. Let's bring more people in and let's make mm-hmm. it easy. 
Yeah. And, you know, we, we talk about this pretty much every time you're on, but one of the questions I always get is about med pros, medical professionals, you know, RNs and doctors. And, you know, what you guys do is completely separate from that path to Canada. And um, unfortunately, it doesn't fall under GTS. So it's a, it's a different program and an, an initiative altogether. Uh, but just wanted to, to mention that because I always tend to get that question at, at, at some point about what about RNs or, or doctors looking to, um, to relocate to Canada. And, and that isn't through GTS. And GTS, Global Talent Stream, for, for those of you who may not know, just wanted to, to reiterate, that's kind of like Canada's version of an H-1B, but not as restrictive is, is the yeah. easiest way um, I can, I can describe that. So um, wanted to just, you know, mention again, we do want to have a few minutes towards the end. We're going to take questions and comments. So if you do have any questions or comments um, that you would like Mark or I to address towards the end of our conversation here today, please drop those in the chat and we will definitely get to those as time permits. Um, also wanted to just mention again, if you haven't already, make sure to like this video and you're subscribed to the H1B guy channel here on YouTube. Um, Mark, you and I had a chance to catch up a couple weeks ago here in Atlanta, um, what's becoming kind of an annual tradition, and, and uh, really enjoyed that opportunity. Um, I think the cool thing about when you and I to get, get together is we always learn something from each other, um, which, you know, is always good in our industry, right, to, to constantly be evolving and, and expanding our knowledge. I think one of the things that I know you took away from, as we talked about, was the lottery for this past year, um, you know, that was open March 1st through the 20th. And you were, you were picking my brain on some of my thoughts around it. And, you know, one of the things I mentioned is I've, I've been hearing rumors and these are still unconfirmed and USCIS is yet to go on record as of the time of this live stream uh, with, with actual um, data, they haven't released the numbers yet, but I've heard, you know, anywhere between 500 to 700,000 registrations, um, at $10 a piece. Uh, that's a pretty significant revenue generator for USCIS, but also when we're talking about 85,000 available H1B visas, um, it puts probability in the teens. Yeah. And when I told you that your reaction was like, wait a second, help me understand. And, you know, I think this is one of the things where when we look at folks that may be full-time employed under OPT, that have an employer that's willing to sponsor them, that has gone through another unsuccessful lottery attempt, you know, this is like the prime target individual for, for Syndesis. And so wanted to just kind of throw it over to you in, in terms of what do you think about some of these, these lottery rumor numbers and, you know, how demand is still extremely high for H-1B visas, even amongst the, the, the waves of, of tech layoffs that we've been going through. Yeah. That when you share those numbers, I, it, it was shocking because I'm used to hearing like two X, three X over the years, 300,000, three. And then I was like, wait, that's how let's that's dramatic. And then as you also shared with me, you said, okay, well, look, Mark, it's not just you get the H-1B lottery, you get the H-1B, it's your file will be reviewed, remember. And depending mm -hmm. on, you know, reviewer finding something wrong, um, asking more information, RFE, like th those numbers are, those denial rates are, are high too. Mm -hmm. So you look, at, you look at it and you're like, 
I guess what one of the takeaways I have from it of, I mean, as an American citizen, I'm like, I'm looking at that like, wow, like look, look how many amazing people are like are, are fire, you know, want to stay, have great jobs here, want to keep working at them. But then I also just kind of look at that as a, as like a what a cycle of despair of mm-hmm. you see the numbers and everyone and people are like no that's we're, we're checking like you said check every day you know you log in to see that your situation changed if it didn't you're like there's my answer mm-hmm. and then you just sit there and you're like what am I going to do mm-hmm. and there is no like you know that, that's that's why I'm happy to be on your show to reach you know people in your audience who may be like st- you know staring at that at the response they're saying. I was hoping it would change and it wasn't. I'm not going to be like, I am didn't make it this year. Mm-hmm. But then there's no automatic like, well, here's your plan B and your plan C and your plan D. It's like, there's just silence for most mm-hmm. people. And that's yep. why I find like you and I talked about this when we said, I was trying to get a get a number from you. Of, I said, how many people third try OPT expiring this year? What's the annual number of people who will have to leave the US? Mm-hmm. I've heard... 20, 30, 40, yep. 50,000. And you, and you said, yeah, yeah. no yeah, one 20,000 would be right off the top of my head. I'd say that number's probably around 20,000. Unscientific response, right. Is just, that's just what my gut feel tells me is that that, that self deportation is probably close to 20,000. And the interesting thing about that mark is it isn't just folks from India and China, which is a lot of what, predominantly um, is directed towards H-1B visas. And when we, we get into the green card backlog, those are the two countries that are that are generally discussed the most. But just in the last week, Mark, I've heard from somebody from Ethiopia, somebody from Saudi Arabia, somebody from Brazil, um, somebody from uh, Ecuador. Like literally, it isn't just India and China that are trying to get H-1B visas. It's folks that have come here, gotten an advanced degree in the U.S., are working as a perm employee for a smaller U.S. organization that maybe only submits one or two names in the lottery and neither were selected. And that's the thing that really has this like underlying impact that a lot of the common U.S. citizens, Americans don't know about is that that's the constraint and the restriction. And so I think this is where it lends itself to where does nearshore come into play, right? And how important it is. And and that was something that I know we didn't plan about talking about, but I have to think time zones are a huge factor for what Syndesis does, right? In alignment with the organization and um, their, their teams. And so do you see more, I, I guess, more interest or, or, or more um, individuals that are lo- working on, um, East coast, central West coast times. Does it vary? Like where, where is the predominant interest? If an employer is coming and saying, I need this person to sit in Toronto because my headquarters are East coast or Vancouver because my headquarters are, are West coast. What are you seeing there? It's an interesting question because it's something I'm trying to understand more of myself. And so I would say right away to answer your question, it's, Pacific, it's Vancouver, East Coast, they're fine with Toronto. So those are the two mm-hmm. things I find people, we've moved people from Dallas and, and their employers like could be either, um, we don't mind if it's mountain time, if they're in Calgary or, mm-hmm. or there's been like a shrug of like, look, it's close enough. There's a number I'm wondering, 
I don't think either of us have any visibility on. If you said, hey, Mark, I think it's 20,000 people who leave a year. Mm-hmm. What I mostly hear from U.S. employers is when that person has to leave, sometimes they're like, we can keep them on. They're going to be working, rem- they're going to be working remotely mm-hmm. you know, from Athens, from Mumbai, you know, f- from home country. It's no problem. I do mm-hmm. hear that can happen. But what I more often hear is, yeah, that time zone challenge won't work. Mm-hmm. The work will lose, they lose twice. They lose the American dream mm-hmm. and they lose the job. They yeah. lose both. They go back to home country and sit there and like in complete shock of like, but I, oh, and then there are, then whatever life they had, like all the, the losses, it's, it's a long tally of losses. Mm-hmm. So that's why when I talk to US companies, I'm like, one of, one of our slogans is, you know, we were telling the, we're telling the worker, it's like same boss that you had, same work, same laptop, same mm-hmm. time zone, same team, mm-hmm. just a different apartment. You're yep. in uh, Oakland, California, or in uh, Irvine, or, or in Irving, Texas, that's gone. Mm-hmm. It's replaced by an apartment in Canada. So the Zoom mm-hmm. or the Teams uh, video will look a little different, but you just carry on north of the border. Mm-hmm. The time zone thing is specific because to my surprise, I'm having, we've got US clients who have you know a couple engineers in Canada and you know, we'll tell like we tell them when we have this OPT service, we can move people to Canada. And to my surprise, some of our US clients who have a team in India, they're like, oh wait, I kept thinking it was for OPT expirations. You can bring anyone from around the world into Canada. I'm like, yes, it's it's mm-hmm. anyone. And they're yeah. like, hey, Mark, we're gonna be moving a couple people a year into Canada out of our office in Hyderabad or out of our office in Mumbai. Yeah. And I'm like, Yeah, why? I thought you you had a team there, you had the team there for to be cost effective, best engineers in the world. And they're like, yeah, yeah, Mark, for all those reasons. But some of our people need to be time zone specific. It mm-hmm. actually matters. And we want them to be able to talk to their US team members or our clients. So yes, some people have to be in North America and we can't get mm-hmm. them in the US. They will be in they will be in the in the in Toronto where you've set them up. And I'm, yeah. your time zone question is I'm noticing that of yeah. a certain number of workers where they're like, no, the time zone they will not be um, across the world. It matters. And we will put them in North America. They're, in, they're in North America and Canada is the new solution, not the U.S. Yeah, I, I think that's a, 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 a reason why I asked the question is because I know that there are organizations out there that maybe have two or three locations, one here in the U.S., um, one in Manila or Hyderabad, as you mentioned. They've tried to go through the H-1B lottery, maybe even considering L1, and that's not an option. So why not put the individual in a, a, a similar time zone in, in Canada if that is something that's that's mission critical for, for the organization? Um, wanted to talk a little bit about some of the, the, the trends that have been going on and, um, you know, the the strike that's been happening under immigration refugees and citizenship Canada or, or what we know as IRCC, how is that impacting your processing times and, and your ability to, to relocate someone to Canada right now? Yes. Yeah, so I, I saw that the, the strike, no, I'd heard it. We all, we'd heard it was coming and then it arrived. My initial take was, so we'll divide immigration into for Canada into a couple of areas. So there's work visa processing, then there's express entry, people who are not in Canada but are trying to, to, to get permanent residence and then, then be able to move to Canada. So yes, it's a problem. So if, if I look at 
I look at the people we're most focused on, especially for people in your audience here. If you think of someone that Cindy's is trying to help, where it's like, we're going to use Global Talent Stream. This is a worker who's um, third try in the lottery, lost, OPT expiring this year, early next year. They want to move to Canada. Or they just had to go back to their home country and the U.S. is like, I wish we could, wish we'd keep you in similar time zone. The process may take a little longer. So before COVID, start to finish, Global Talent Stream was six weeks. Mm-hmm. I, I, I look back uh, fondly at those times. I'm like, <laughs> like start to finish work visa issued, you move to Canada. People were like, what? Like, uh, kids, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, six weeks. COVID pushed it up to about three months, in mm-hmm. some cases four. This last couple months, it had dropped back to three months, in some cases two and a half. And I'm like, oh, they're catching up on the backlog. Yeah. Now there's the strike. So my take is strike could get resolved tomorrow, next week. But say it takes a little while, it actually, the people we're trying to help, it doesn't actually impact them too much. Because mm-hmm. the conversation I would have if, if they're a U.S. employer and they were on the call and they said, how long does it take? And I'd say, well, before the strike, let's say three months, worst case. With the strike, could be an additional two weeks, additional four weeks, additional six weeks. There'll be a backlog. What mm-hmm. I tell the company is, what was going to happen with this worker? If we, if we didn't have this conversation and, the, and what I always go my team typically hears is, well, Mark, well, their worker will stay in the U.S. until the last legal day when they leave, they're terminated. I said, well, here's what we can do. When they leave, they will go back to home country. They will, they will be in home country. It, it might take an extra month or two. In that mm-hmm. case, Indesis has a system set up of, of, of we have a whole remote billing system. For the, if it takes an extra month or two and the person had to go back to home country, mm-hmm. we'll keep working during that time. We know it's inconvenient, but it's maybe adding a few weeks or a month or two. I don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. We'll keep them working. And mm-hmm. then they'll get into Canada. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's very rare that someone approaches us saying, OPT expiring in 60 or 90 days. Can you get into that window and, and make it happen that fast? I know mm-hmm. there was a situation two months ago and we were able to make it happen that fast. Mm-hmm. Now we tell people is, Okay, look what's going to happen. They'll work till the U.S. till the end. They'll go back to home country. Mm-hmm. We'll manage the, the remote work from for a month or two if we have to. Then they're going to get into Canada. The solution isn't going away. It's just going to take a little longer. Yeah, that that's so it doesn't. The, the solution still stands. Time frame just could be extended. And if it's home country or just anywhere outside of the U.S., right? I guess the individual may have some some flexibility depending on on visitor visitor visas or, or wherever they want to go. Um, another thing that, you know, I, I saw that was pretty recent and, and I know we chatted about this briefly. And again, I know express entry isn't necessarily something that, that you do f- with Syndesis and Path to Canada, but I do think it's worth mentioning um, because getting an individual into Canada under GTS is a pathway uh, to permanent residency in, in Canada. And, and so I, I thought it was at least worth mentioning that um, re- pretty recent, like the end of March, I think it was, where uh, the the new CRS scores were the lowest that, that they had been since, since December of, of 2020. But if you can maybe just kind of hit on an individual comes into Canada under GTS is working as a, a full-time permanent employee for Syndesis. What's that path from them there going forward to, to, to permanent residency in, in Canada? It's definitely, a, 
it's definitely a different system than, than in the US. So there's what we're, what Syndesis is focusing on is we're a Canadian corporation. We have permission from the Canadian government to sponsor Canadian work visas. Then the worker comes in, we're basically hiring, we're, they're basically under our umbrella. And then we're employing them remotely in Canada um, for US companies. So then in that scenario, US company tells us how much the worker makes, we invoice them, they pay us, we pay the worker. Usually it's an identical situation to what they have in the US. We're usually matching their, we're, we're, we're matching it. So in that scenario, the work visa becomes the fast way in. And the, what, what that's different is there, there's, sometimes we'll talk to someone who says, well, I, I'm, I'm in a, in a, in a backlog uh, express entry. Mm-hmm. How's this gonna expect, ex, you know, affect that? Like, I, Mark, I've got a long time to wait. And we always have to remind people, we're like, express entry is for, t- for um, someone to get into Canada who does not have a job, they get in, they've got their PR card, then they can apply to companies and work. Mm-hmm. Global Talent Stream is separate, parallel, Mm-hmm. And does not rely on, on, on express entry at all. So for mm-hmm. example, if someone, one of your listeners was like, this sounds like me, this is exactly the situation I'm in. I third try, not going to make it. I have to leave the U S on October 15th. That is the last day I, I, I will, my, that's when my job will end. Even if they had applied for express entry, global talent stream is done separately. It's administered by completely independent of, of express entry. So in global talent stream, you will, you'll get your work visa, say there was no strike. Three months mm-hmm. later, you're in Canada, you're holding your work visa. And you're like, I've got a two year work visa, mm-hmm. um, renewable. And the moment you're in Canada, what we always suggest is go immediately. Well, we have plenty of suggestions of good immigration lawyers. Go talk to an immigration lawyer, say, I'm landed, I'm in, I'm in on a work visa. And what's my process? And the, and the Canadian immigration lawyer walk through saying, okay, look, here's how it works. You're in Canada, living in Canada. Every 12-month w- window of time you work in Canada, you're going to get more points. So we're mm-hmm. going to be documenting that. Next, you're in Canada with the work off. With a, you're, you're working in Canada. You get 50 points for that. Mm-hmm. So here's what we're going to do. We want you to start your application now that you're sitting in Canada and you're, you're, you're not getting drawn. You're you're not in this in, in the same pool because mm-hmm. you are you, you've you've gone around everyone who's waiting you're already in canada right? that's the, the you're not going to get kicked out you're if canada does not have the if you lose your job you get to stay if something goes like they they let you stay they're very gracious about their things go wrong with the economy your company had to do a layoff you're not going to leave the country so basically mm-hmm. you stay in canada and between month 18 and month 24 you get permanent residence. So GTS is really a pathway to, to PR. It's really about getting in Canada and having a full-time job. And the points associated with that are significant. If you look at 400 and what was it? 81 and you're getting 50 points for a, a full, full-time per role already living and working in Canada. It's uh it's yeah. And then, pretty, and then pretty the big step to the 12 months that just starts yeah. building. Yeah. It's significant. So that's the way around the long. It's the way around the long wait times for people who are trying to get an express entry because yep. they're trying to go there and then look for a job. This is mm-hmm. if you qualify for GTS, you're a tech worker, or as you mentioned, yep. expanded stream. Mm-hmm. Then you can you can get in right away. Even when COVID shut the border down, we were moving people into Canada on the work visa. Mm-hmm. Of course, COVID, they're all kind of COVID tests and all these protocols, but mm-hmm. 
But Canadian government said like, yeah, permanent <laughs> residents, everything else, you all have to wait. But students mm -hmm. and people with work visas, <laughs> priority of the Canadian government, come on in. Yeah. Never yeah. Well, open arms, right? Open yeah. arms. Um, I did want to mention really quickly, Mark, I saw tomorrow at um, 3.30, I believe, Eastern, you're having a webinar with um, an attorney, Tara Lee. Tara Lee, yeah. She's a Canadian immigration lawyer we, we've worked with for years. Uh, cool. So I'm going to share this right now. I'll pull that up in the chat. It looks like you're going to be doing those on the monthly. Is that right? Yeah, Mark? monthly basis. We'll, we'll, do, we'll, do the, we'll have an overview tomorrow of Global Townstream, how it works, how Syndesis can move your job. Yep. And then, after, and then we'll, we'll do probably another session after that where it's just Q&A with, with the Canadian immigration lawyer. I, cool. I'll moderate, but people have a lot of questions. And, yep. and, if, and you know this, you know how complicated U.S. immigration is. And, and you've been able to help a lot of people through that. Immigration is a complicated business. And it's, it I think, is. I think it's best to have the Q&A session. Yep. So I um, here's that Zoom link. It's a registration link. It'll take you to a landing page if you just let them know that you heard about it here from today's session. Um, and if you sign up for any at the in in the future, um, you know, always very entertaining to 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 hear you and um, really interested to see what Tara has to say. I've not heard her speak yet, so I'll, uh, definitely be checking that out. Thank you. Um, and, and wanted to to just share that with everyone. Um, Marco, we got a couple questions here in the chat. I want to answer those and then we'll work on um, uh, closing this out here in the next few minutes. But if you have any other questions for Mark or myself right now uh, concerning Syndesis, Path to Canada, GTS, um, please go ahead and, and drop those in the chat. We're going to go ahead and, and take our best uh, attempts to answer the, the, the two that we have. Um, so, Mark, the first one is from Raj. He says, how does Sandistas help me if I want to move to Canada? My answer to that would be, you guys are really a white glove service, right? And it comes down to one question here, Raj, and, and that is, are you currently working here in the U.S.? Or if you're outside of the U.S., do you have an employer who would be open to relocating your job to Canada? That's really the biggest thing. Um, and I will direct you again to the link in the video description. It's the fastest way to get uh, um, your name in the queue with Syndesis and, and have a conversation with, with someone on, on Mark's team. Anything you want to add to that, Mark? No, I think you've got it right there because, yeah, there's when last time I was on the show, I would have said, look, there's two ways we can help you. One is, mm -hmm. do you have a tech job? Are you working in the U.S. right now? Either are you third trying the lottery? can't stay in the US or maybe you have an H1B and you're looking at a 20, 30, 40, 50 year time for a green card, then you could go to the US employer and say, talk to Syndesis people, it looks yeah. like they can move the job to Canada and then I can just move up there and then I can be on a path towards mm -hmm. uh, permanent residence and citizenship. Mm -hmm. I used to, my automatic second answer is, oh, and there's path to Canada. For those of you who just wanna to move to Canada, we'll get you a tech job. Yep. Recession has definitely set that back. So I feel, I, I don't think it's fair to your listeners to say like, you know, if we had this conversation like a year ago, there were mm -hmm. many companies like, let's sponsor people. We need them. Let's go. Let's go. Mm -hmm. A lot of people put the hiring on hold and it's taking much longer. We're still mm -hmm. pricing people, but it's right. a long, for Path to Canada, it's a long, long wait until things settle down with the layoffs. So that's, yep. I'm a little reluctant to say we can help people right away. The economy needs to improve.
Yeah, I think the fastest uh, means to the end is if you're working in the U.S. and you have an employer who's willing to 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 globally park your your job in Canada, that's going to be the fa the fastest and most direct option. Yeah. Um, I still would say path to Canada is an option. It's more of a long haul, long haul recruit option. Yeah. Um, and, and my two cents is still have those conversations, right? Like if, if that's an option that you want to get your name in um, the path to Canada database so that if they do have a customer that comes to them and says, Hey, we need to hire somebody with this skill set, and that's you and you're, you're in their database, the, the likelihood of, um, you know, path to Canada being able to facilitate that at a future state um, is more likely, but I think being realistic and transparent with how can you help people right now in the immediate future, it's going to be the Sandesis approach, but path Canada is still an option and, and not something that, um, you know, I would tell folks, don't forget about it. It just is not going to move as quickly as, as you most likely would, would want it to. Um, so good question there, Raj. Uh, Mohit asked, Mark, my company has a branch in Canada. Is it possible to directly get a Canadian PR if my company sponsors it? And how long will this process take? I have 14 uh, months left in the U.S. Okay, there's there's a lot here. And I was reading this question. There's a lot here to unpack. So what what I used to say, one of the one of the qualifying, disqualifying questions we used to ask, um, if someone said, hey, I would like to see if I can move, my, my U.S. employer wants to keep me, but I, have, I, I need to move to, I can't stay in the U.S., <laughs> If the company had a U.S. subsidiary, we'd also say, oh, um, we can't help you because our thought was always a, uh, if a U.S. company has a Canadian subsidiary, they can just reach out to IRCC. Uh, they can reach out and say, we are Canadian. We have a Canadian corporation. We are in good standing. We would like to sponsor a work visa. We are allowed to do so as a Canadian corporation. Canadian immigration mm -hmm. lawyer will help you with that. What I've noticed over the last I think over the last six months is I've talked to U.S. companies or my team has, and they're like, yeah, Mark, we have a Canadian corporation, but no one up there has any immigration knowledge. It is a corporation. There may be two, three or five people. There may be 50 people there. Maybe they're, sell maybe they're helping us sell a product that, you know, in Canada, maybe we have our Canadian subsidiary in UK, one in France, but no one there understands Canadian immigration. And we want to get this done fast and right. So we want to use your service. We want you to move the person up there. And then when they're up there, they'll be under Syndesis employer of record service, mm -hmm. trying to pay your fee, but we don't have anyone in Canada who can take this on. And mm -hmm. so what I realized was like, oh, okay. So if a company has a Canadian corporation, there's a bunch of follow-up questions are, would be like, can someone handle immigration? Is there someone who can take on the payroll? If you have a Canadian corporation, are you employing people in Canada already, which means you have Canadian payroll experience and Canadian HR experience? Some people mm -hmm. will say, like, no, it's a corporation. It's strictly for, you know, uh, allowing us to ship our product to Canada. There's no people working in it. Mm -hmm. So when they say branch in Canada, I've seen it go both ways. It becomes a question mm -hmm. of the company of do you want to take on immigration? Yes or no. Mm -hmm. If they say yes, we would introduce them to a Canadian immigration lawyer and say, here's two of the most amazing Canadian immigration lawyers. Yep. Or pick your own, but they will help you do this. Mm -hmm. The second thing I look at his question there, I see, is it possible to get Canadian PR if my company sponsors it? Big difference in Canada versus the U.S. In yep. the U.S., I hear you know this very well. There's some people who get a work visa sponsored and they're looking for their company to sponsor their green card. In Canada, permanent residence is done at the discretion of the individual. It has mm -hmm. nothing to do with your company. Yep. The company does not apply for your PR card. They are not involved in your permanent residence. 
They do not either give it or take it, the opportunity away. When you get to Canada as a worker and you're on a work permit, <coughs> you call your Canadian immigration lawyer. They'll be like, are you working for a Canadian company? They're like, yeah. And they're like, okay, well, we'll want to see your offer letter. That's it. We will. They, the Canadian immigration lawyer will verify your employment. They yeah. will not ask permission from your from the Canadian corporation or your Canadian employer, because Canadian immigration doesn't care who your who your Canadian employer is. You want to be a permanent resident. It's you as an individual. You control your destiny. You apply for it. You get it. Mm-hmm. Completely different from the U.S. Yeah, so it's two two totally different paths. But I think Mohit, what I heard Mark say is that might be worth reaching out to Syndesis first to kind of get some advisory conversation um, from them to see how you should approach your employer and potentially see if they can help you with that, or at least maybe introduce a couple of their uh, Canadian immigration attorneys that that they partner with. Uh, but good question, nonetheless. Good, good questions, question. right? Um, Jason has a great question, too, or more of a statement. Uh, currently in my final year of OPT, de- definitely looking forward uh, to learn more about how to get this conversation started with my employer for the GTS path. Jason, go hit that link in the video description below um, and fill that out for the Syndesis, um, the, the form. Make sure you reference today's live stream and uh, Mark will be following up on those. Make sure that someone from his team is in touch with you shortly to help you uh, get the guidance you need to initiate that conversation. But uh, thanks for the comment, Jason, and I really appreciate you joining the stream. Our good friend Roman says, great discussion. Um, U.S. immigration a lawyer who often hears about H-1B challenges, the service that Sendesis provides is huge for U.S. companies and H-1B hopefuls. Um, thanks, Roman. Appreciate it. You know, we owe Roman uh, uh, a, a huge thanks for introducing us, Mark, and uh, yes. really appreciative to it. Roman's such a great guy. Um, all the work he does with Laborless and uh, the GMI Rocket, uh, just super interesting dude and a really intelligent guy. Um, very thoughtful and uh, just a LinkedIn warrior as well and, and somebody that uh, I really always enjoy his content. So really appreciate him Likewise. jumping in here today. All right, Mark. Well, that puts us a little over 45 minutes, man. I think um, I'm going to go ahead and, and close this out. Uh, again, call to action. Just a reminder, Mark's having a webinar um, tomorrow. tomorrow. I will um, uh, – Bring that link up one more time. It's in the chat too for those of you who may be watching and are listening to this. But go register tomorrow with Tara Lee at at three thirty, um, talking about GTS, doing Q and A, and uh, Mark, you're moderating. So looking forward to to hearing more about that. Um, always love the conversation, Mark. Like I said, I always learn something new. Um, just really uh, fortunate to have you guys and in, in your partnership here on this channel and hard to believe that we've been at this for, for over two years together. Lots changed in that time for both of us, but a lot is still the same, which is demand on talent's never been higher. The challenges yes. facing high-skilled immigrants living and working in the U.S. has never been higher. Um the odds of being selected for an H-1B visa and the H-1B lottery have never been lower. Um, and so that's where opportunities for uh, organizations like yours at Syndesis to help folks um, and help employers who have uh, talent that they cannot afford to lose, um, you know, maintaining their employment with their organizations and, and how important that is. So, uh, Mark, I look forward to uh, the next time we get to catch up. Um, really appreciate your time. I wanted to remind everyone that today's live stream was brought to you exclusively by Cindy Sympathic Canada. 
The ideal plan B for high-skilled immigrants currently located in the U.S. whose status may be uncertain. If you're facing an H-1B denial or OPT expiration, a failed lottery attempt, do not get caught off guard. Make sure you have a plan B. Reach out to the folks at Syndesis. Uh, they'll gladly help you navigate the process. And if you'd like to find out if you qualify, as I mentioned, please use the link in the video description below. Reference this live stream and someone from Mark's team uh, from Syndesis will be in touch. Uh, wanted to ask you one last time, if you haven't already, please like this video, uh, subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube, click the bell for notifications so that you're notified anytime we go live like we did here today on April the 26th at 2 p.m. Eastern. Um, I'll be pushing this out to the H1B Guy podcast so you guys that consume this in an audio format, thank you for your support. Um, Mark, I put your LinkedIn profile in the description, so please connect with Mark on LinkedIn. You can reference this live stream or the H1B guy. Mark would love to connect with you. Um, he shares a lot of great content on his LinkedIn platform as well, so please don't miss that. Um, but just wanted to say thanks again, Mark. Really appreciate your time this afternoon. Um, look forward to, uh, to continuing the conversation. Likewise, Robert. Thank you for having me on and thank you. Uh, great discussion. So thank you very Perfect. much for this. Awesome, man. Thanks. Again, I'm Robert. I'm the H-1B guy, your global source for all things H-1B. Thank you.